Welcome to Single Minded Conversations. I'm your host, Jesse Single. Uh, I'm a writer and podcaster. Definitely check out my podcast, Blocked and Reported. Co-hosted with Katie Herzog, blockedreported.org. Uh, today, I'm mostly just going to take your calls. I want to talk a little bit more about something I mentioned um, one or two episodes ago, which was a report on incels called the uh, – oh, the incelosphere. Sorry. <laughs> the incelosphere. Exposing Pathways into Incel Communities and the Harms They Pose to Women and Children. Very scary report put out by the Center for Countering Digital Hate. Um, I did a newsletter about this at jessysingle.substack.com with a free preview. The rest is paywalled. But um, there is a tendency in organizations that write about online harassment um, to exaggerate, to use bad data, to trump up threats that are maybe... uh, you know, not earth chattering. So incels are a pretty good example of this because like even a liberal estimate of how many actual deaths have been caused by actual incels is not large. Uh, like the number of murders in Chicago in one year dwarfs it by basically an order of magnitude. So to make the claim that incels are a particularly scary group requiring our attention, uh, this report just cherry-picked and made some very strange choices, the strangest of which was they found a YouTube channel called Slut Hate Creeps. Um, I guess Slut Hate was an old, since-defunct message board. This YouTube channel has 225 subscribers, and it is hard to dis- like describe how small a YouTube channel that is. It barely exists. It had been around since 2015, and it had just about 100,000 views total. One moderately successful YouTube video will rack up well into the six figures of views. This entire channel, around since 2015, had only 100,000 views. So um, if you go searching for scary incel stuff and for the supposed link between these fringe incel communities and mainstream social media sites, and that's like among the best you can come up with, the honest thing to do would basically be to say that you know, these folks haven't really broken the mainstream. There isn't that much mainstream incel stuff. Uh, The authors of this report don't do that. Instead, they pretend this channel that people are only going to see because it was highlighted in this report is a big deal or is scary. It's actually a very random channel with some incel stuff, but a lot of other random stuff, including a short video of a guy playing video games in a McDonald's. So that's the kind of terrifying content um, we're dealing with here. The report also just misrepresents some stuff. At one point, they say there have been 100 murders or assaults linked to incels. That citation points to a book. In the book, they just make that the author just makes that claim without any citation uh, or evidence. So I think people should maybe be more attendant to like markets when they read a report like this. You should understand that like this isn't just an objective report on a phenomenon. It, the incentives are going to be to say this is a big deal. You should give our organization more money and resources to study it. So this was put out by the um, Center for Countering Digital Hate's so-called Quant Lab. Sounds super scientific, sounds super quantitative, but they just scraped a bunch of forum posts from this incels.is forum and looked at what words were used there um, and so on. So this stuff is very sloppy. Other folks should get in the queue. Uh, I'll take Neil's call first, but uh, yeah, let's see what you guys think. Neil, what's up? So firstly, excuse me. what are your thoughts on like incel as a word, how like it means involuntary celibate, but then like 
it's it's when you say insult normally only refers to like self-identified insults or like as as like a subsection of like the people who are actually yeah. involved um it's tricky right because yeah i think at this point incels are self-identifying um and it's used in a lot of different ways my understanding of it is like someone who basically understands that this is a problem and who talks about it online i don't think they're all some of them become misogynistic wackos. I don't think they're all like that. Um, and I think too much, if it's an interesting phenomenon for a lot of reasons, but I think too much of attention, too much attention has been paid to the violent fringe of it. Whereas a lot of them are just sort of sad and, you know, to me sort of interesting. Mm -hmm. So my other um, question was going to be about what are your, what are your thoughts on is the pandemic over, right? Because we had Biden come out saying, yes, it's over, right? COVID is still a problem, but the pandemic largely is over. And then the White House like walked that back, right? It's like that's not we can't say that. Everyone got mad at them. So what are your, what are your thoughts? I guess this is a non-answer answer, but I've sort of stopped paying attention to these debates because I like no longer trust anyone involved in them. I mean, at the, I'm not like a conspiracy theorist. I trust the vaccine works. I'll get boosted again. But um, the endless Twitter political fights over like describing uh, the pandemic in exactly the right way or using the right language, or is it still going on? Is it not? I mean, look, it's clearly still going on. I would just say in my life as a fairly young, fairly healthy person who this disease is exceedingly unlikely to kill or hobble. I, I don't think about it most days and I live a normal life in a way I did not in 2020. And for all the talk of like crazy liberals obsessed with masking and stuff, I live in one of the bluest parts of the country and things feel very normal here. Restaurants are crowded. Bars are crowded. Um, I think there's some people who either got hit by it hard or, you know, there's conspiracy theorists on both sides. I have barely looked into the long COVID stuff, but I think there's there's in the chronic disease space, there are some folks who just have other things going on, either physical or mental, and latch on to chronic disease labels. So I think it's sort of a mess right now. But unfortunately, I feel I have this unsteady sense that I like can't really trust most of the commentators. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I respect the answer, right? Because it for most people, it is I, I, right. It is kind of normal. And then at what point, like, because it, it doesn't really matter. Is it over? If it, it, is it not because there's it's just never, like I mean, it's reality. never going to be over, right? Like overall. It'll yeah. COVID will always yeah, be with us, right? COVID. It's always going to be a yeah. thing. It's just, then certain people have to deal with it more than others. Right. It was just really funny to me because on Friday I was tweeting about how, how the pandemic itself is over. And then like, I got COVID. Like, oh, daily. I'm sorry. Was it, I hope the symptoms funny. weren't too bad. Um, I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I'm immunodeficient. So it's like, Every other illness I've had is like this level. It's not anything worse than normal, but it kind of sucks. But it's for now, it's all right. Yeah. Um, well, I hope it was just, I hope it was just ironic. I don't know. Yeah. You anyway. just got it right as you were talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dale. Uh, before I get to W, one other point I wanted to make just about like the. Uh, Intel stuff was like, so the, the Intel culture, these message boards have this very 4chan-y culture of like uh, bluster and like, oh yeah, I'm going to kill all the normies. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I don't think it's necessarily helpful to like play into that by taking what they say at face value or treating them as all inherently violent. I, I just think there's probably better ways to engage with them. Um, in my podcast, I linked to this uh in my newsletter, I linked to this podcast by Nama Cates. I could be mispronouncing her name called like the incel project where she just interviews incels. And, and I find it quite interesting, but um, 
I just think this is a lot of like, if you look at the, the Center for Countering Digital Hate folks, I, I didn't really get the sense that any of them were particularly qualified to like study this subject. They just seem to be like data wonks or like counter extremism, counter extremism folks more broadly, but not um, super expert ones. I just think anyone sort of thinks they can take a data scraper to a forum and discover useful stuff, which I, I'm not sure you can do without more context. Anyway, W, what's up? I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, kind of the term, I think I'm saying right, stochastic violence, but basically just like by talking about an issue that you invite um, the most crazy, most likely people to do harm, to do harm by talking about a subject. Like you see that a lot with like yours and Katie's writing and even like the article that came out in the New York Times today, but like. What about something like Matt Walsh or Tucker Carlson, like showing pictures of specific doctors? Like, I don't know. I'm just wondering, like, what you think about that? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, my sense is this is just like really badly misused. I mean, when I Google it, the definition I get is uh, while the exact definition has morphed over time and has commonly come to refer to a concept whereby consistently demonizing or dehumanizing a targeted group or individual results in violence that is statistically likely but cannot be easily or accurately predicted. I, I think it's, you know, if if you demonize someone online, if they're the subject of online outrage, you're surely increasing the probability they'll be subject to violence. I mean, Salman Rushdie is a good example, example but um, people use this term very sloppily, and I found that there's this tendency where if you, like, disagree at all on certain issues, somehow your disagreement, no matter how reasonably phrased or couched, will lead to violence or oppression or death. And it's just, it's a tick at this point. It's sort of a way to derail genuine conversation. Like you were saying, you know, uh, Azim Gureshi does this, I thought, measured and good article in the New York Times about top surgery, and it's just the same shit. She's a fascist, it's a Nazi paper, this is going to kill people. It's just, it's not nonsense. And it's... um so it can both be true that there's situations where like focusing on a target could increase the chance of harm coming to them. But, uh, you know, um, uh, it's just so overused and it's just used as a, a blunt tool to ward off conversation or debate, I think. You still there? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, just last thing, come to the West Coast, do your tour next year. <laughs> L.A., please. I think we would like to do, um, ideally, yeah, Seattle, uh, Bay Area, L.A. It seems like we can, like, so far the evidence suggests we can sell out 300-seat venues in, like, major media cities, of which or tech cities, of which those are all three. Um, I think, like, Portland would be more of an uphill battle. Like, we haven't sold out Boston yet, uh, which I'd like to. But anyway, my sense is, given the ticket sales so far, there'll be a very strong possibility we can do a West Coast tour, which I would love to do. We have a lot of Beyond Burgers out here in California, so you'll be happy. <laughs> yes, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm hoping to be there in 2023. AA, whoa, I just screwed something up. I still don't know how to use this device. AA, what's up? Hello? Hey. I just want to say one thing that frustrates me on the incel issue, how it's covered, is there's such a contempt and lack of any sympathy in the media for incels from people who are supposed to be, you know, on the left, supposed to be for the downtrodden or people who are disaffected. And they treat incels like they're just scum of the earth and they deserve nothing. And they're not to say that I agree with incels, but uh, they're so disrespected. It's horrible. Yeah. I think, the, well, so I think what this is, is like, 
And I think I made this point in the podcast, so I apologize if, apologize if, I'm, mis, uh, if I'm repeating myself. I'm having a lot of trouble talking. I should have had coffee before I did this. But um, in the aughts, you had this huge wave of like anti-Islamic terror laws and groups and new security firms. And the response from progressives was like, A, we shouldn't be authoritarian about this. B, we should try to understand you know, why some people are swayed into terrorism. Terrorism was treated by many progressives as like a human phenomenon that shouldn't just be demonized, but should be explained. And in some cases, you can empathize with people who might become terrorists. That's like, that's how you, you know, reduce crime or reduce terrorism. What's interesting is right now, there's a huge focus on counter extremism against white coded groups, both white nationalists, militia types, and I think incels are predominantly white coded, coded, although there's like this whole thing with Asian incels. But I agree with you. Like you're talking about 20 year old kids who have like no prospects romantic or otherwise. And uh, some of them could be lured down a dark path, but it's much, you know, it's a better route to try to understand where they're coming from and also to try to get the out of these communities than it is to demonize it. The one, one of the few good points in this report I read was um, they cited some other group that just talked about how there should be outreach programs. Like you should have moles in the big incel groups that quietly tell people like, look, there's resources available if you want to do something else, if you don't want to be a part of this group. Um, I think that stuff's all good and valuable, but I agree with you completely. We need empathy is the best way to make sure these kids don't get crazier and crazier. Yeah, I, yeah, I completely agree with what you said. I think about in terms of like, I think that there is kind of a lefty narrative there for the, for the taking people say, oh, you look at how alienating the modern society is, people get left behind, you know, caught in the cracks. Like, it, it's right there for them to take, but they don't want to take it. I don't understand why. I compare it to something like people saying stuff like, oh, imagine people acting way about insult they do about like, let's say, inner city black kids. They say, oh, you know, look, they're so dangerous. What do we do to stop these black kids from doing right. all this crime? Instead of saying, well, what's a systemic issues that caused this in the first place how why did this person get in a state of mind yeah completely it's very disingenuous double- and inconsistent yeah. yeah i completely agree that the, if you want to actually do something about it as opposed to just you know being an alarmist probably the way to do it is to have some a level of empathy and respect for them as it's just a, fundamentally a human and you know to teach them or i guess try to move them in a more positive direction as opposed to just demonizing them so that's, that's sort of a microcosm of like, like there was this whole line that it's laughable to say that economic insecurity had any impact on Trump's success. And I mean, there's a dumb version of that argument because it's not as though all Trump voters are poor by any means. But the fact is like globalization has winners and losers and a big chunk of the middle of the country was hollowed out and manufacturing went elsewhere for the most part. And of course that's going to affect politics. And of course you need an answer to that other than, Oh, those racist white people just voted for Trump. So yeah, I just think it sounds like we're both calling for more consistent empathy and more nuanced understanding of why people make the choices they do. What do you think there is any kind of answer that would improve this problem? Uh, Which, which problem? Just the problem of incels generally, not even doing, oh. doing violence, just them existing in the first place, like been being, you know, resentful. I think like there's, I think their fundamental problem is like they just make it an identity. Like I think the fact of the matter is there's a huge number of incredibly awkward 20 year olds who don't know how to talk to women who will eventually find women to have sex with and marry and so on. Like people, I think when you're that young, you don't, you have this like really intense visceral present bias and you don't realize like, Things are going to be very different in five or ten years. So my biggest worry with incels is, like, you get caught in one of these communities. You make 
you make it part of your identity. You make self-pity part of your identity. You make anger at women part of your identity. Like, I just think I wish people wouldn't take themselves so seriously. Like, you're 20 years old. You're half-baked. A lot of this stuff will fall into place eventually. I agree with you, but that's not really a solution. I mean, that's, that's accurate, I think. But, like, I don't know what, what kind of action can be taken. Oh, to, like, I mean, uh, not, they'll always be frustrated young men. It's just a matter of, like, giving them a useful outlet for their frustration, right? Oh, I agree, but I don't know. I don't know. Like, if people were actually in good faith trying to solve this problem, like, like, how would you? If these, if these uh, organizations were, if were someone like, gave me five hundred grand, for yeah, if that was your job, yeah, if that was your job, what would you try to do? I would just connect them with like other people who went through serious stuff, but who like came out the other side, not uh, similar stuff, but who came out the other side, like, um, and just try to expose them to stories other than stories of like despair and self hatred and hatred of others. This all sounds very woo woo, and who knows if it would work, but uh, I think all this would work better than just demonizing them or or raising the threat level about them, because the fact is statistically hardly any of them hurt anyone. These are kids sitting in front of their computer. There are, there's the Elliot Roger type once in a while, and that's horrible, but it's like a tiny, tiny drop in the bucket in terms of like what is a very violent country by first world standards. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, it is kind of a hard problem to solve, which is kind of maybe why people are lashing out and trying to, you know, blame people because it's not really obvious what else to do, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I'd also question, like, how big a problem it is, to be honest, because, like, 20 years ago, there was the same pathetic young men. They just weren't as visible because, like, we didn't have as much internet. William, what's up? Hello. Yeah, no, it gave me a pop-up while I was trying to hit on mute. Um, yeah, my, how's it going? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Um, my only question for you today, as someone from the outside of Boston area, is how are you feeling about the Celtics with Ime Udoka being ousted for the season? I Yeah, I, it sucks because we were really set up to be like a, you know, a, a reasonable championship favorite with Gallinari and Brogdon and, and a very impressive young coach. Part of me just feels like they've been pretty good at repelling drama. Like it felt like they survived the KD rumors pretty intact and they still have an incredibly talented team. I guess the Robert Williams injury bothers me a lot. I'm just worried about um grind. Like like I the whole point of getting deeper, um I don't want to lose everyone here who's not a basketball player, but, <laughs> but like the whole point of getting deeper was like so that, you know, Jalen and Jason don't have to play that much during the regular season. Now you have Gallinari out and you're going to have Robert Williams out for a while. So I just, I don't want them to rack up too many miles. So I guess I'm just hoping, I don't know, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard can take a little bit of a step and take more of the workload, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, that's a good, that's a definitely a good point. I feel really sad about the, the Robert Williams angle just because he's like my favorite player to watch. Every time he's, he's insane, down, he's a I'm freak, excited. but he might just be like hindered by injuries forever. Yeah. Like that back injury. Yeah. It's, it's sad, and I'm sad that he's going to be gone this season, but I don't know. I feel like hopefully this new guy, Joe Missoula, is able to like actually develop that young talent because that's, what I think, what they need this year is just like continuing to develop that really, really good young talent. Definitely. Sweet. Thanks so much. Thanks for the call. Well, let's take a sports call or two. Why not? Patrick, what's up? Hey, Jesse. Hope you're having a good Monday. I am. How are, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, so I read your post about here and came across the Center for Countering Digital Hate. Who or what is this group? Kind of how did you find out about them? And what is their deal? It seems like they have a lot of topics that fall under current, like 
Democratic Party kind of talking points about disinformation, vax, that kind of thing. But from what I can tell, most of the people on the board appear to be UK-based. Yeah, I didn't look too deep into them. I basically just checked if, if like, their leadership had actual you know, counter-extremism work. Um, I guess the head of it was friends with Joe Cox, who, you know, the MP who was murdered by a, a far-right winger. So that's obviously horrible. And he obviously had a horrible run-in with extremism. But I, I just don't get the sense any of them are all that deep on this issue. They, um, some, I mean, this is a really subtle and stupid thing, but like they, you know, they're trying to show these forums are racist. So they talk about their use of the N word. The fact is, um, any online community touched by the ghoulish paw of 4chan uses that word just to mean dude or guy, even when white people are talking to one another. So like you can't necessarily say they use that term. So there's a lot of, because there's a lot of anti-black racism, um, which which sounds counterintuitive, but it's just like how these communities talk. And you need to know how they talk to be able to do these like data scraping without sounding like a fool. So I don't know who these guys are. I know I lived in D.C. Um, my first like job job was in D.C. in like 2008 and or seven. There's so much money sloshing around like major political and financial capitals for anyone who knows people who can raise a few million dollars. You can start some new organization. And this stuff is sort of guided by fads, right? Like COVID misinformation is a really scary thing now to write to people. So of course an organization is going to pop up and try to, you know, uh, supply some paychecks to people by quote unquote studying it. Yeah, I guess it definitely seems like they're kind of like fatting onto different kind of internet talks, but even like uh, that part you brought up the use of the N word, I remember listening to a podcast by some uh, younger gamers, two of which uh, were black guys on the podcast. And they were talking about how in uh, Call of Duty, which is one of the most popular games in the world, you just have to get, get accept the fact that the N-word will be used. And in very rare circumstances, is it ever directed as a slur? It's just what the language is. And I think there's a kind of disconnect from people who aren't in the community to understand that something that you think to be traditionally a slur isn't used in that way or meant in that way. I t and I totally understand why that's hard to accept. I'm just like, I, especially for the recent stories, I had to read a lot of recent podcasts. I had to read a lot of Kiwi farm threads and they just, for the most part, they use the word where it, no meaning makes sense unless you swap it out for like dude or motherfucker. Cause it's just, it's not used in that way. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to like it or think that's an acceptable usage, but if you want to understand what they're saying, yeah. But, um, I would I would not want to be a black gamer. It would not be pleasant to hear that word, even in that context, a lot. Yeah, I understand that position as well. And I think part of the reason why they've done that is not necessarily for black gamers, but I think it's for people like you or me who, hearing that context, would be uh, perturbed by it because it uh, it basically freaks out normies, I guess. Or, or yeah. they, they might be the normies in this case, and we're the uh, educated uh, college degree-having uh, uh uh, people who uh, aren't used to what the rabble is doing. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was just wondering about this group because how do you exactly do you gain legitimacy as like something within this kind of field? Because I had never heard of this group before. And this is the type of group where, and if you look at their uh, things on a website, these are the people who would usually list all their CVs, what IVs they've gone to. And there's nothing. I think their head researcher didn't even mention what college or programs he's in. Yeah. Uh, wait, let me just look that up because I have that up actually. Head of policy. I think there was a head, Callum Head of research, Callum Hood. 
he just yeah they don't have it i'm i'm not i'm not a credentialist i think a lot of smart people don't have credentials but yeah the fact is in general if you consider you know someone who's a extremism expert will probably have a phd or something i'm not seeing i don't none of these guys have like real credentials of any sort it's not surprising i don't think credentialism is a good thing either but for the type of group that's doing this kind of thing they would be more than happy to list all their cv of various kind of like uh, relevant topics of field of study to gain legitimacy in this world, which is why it's weird. One, maybe because it's UK based, they don't do that as a tacky form. Well, I mean, so like it says, Imran, uh, Imran Ahmed was inspired to start the center after seeing the rise of anti Semitism on the left in the UK and the murder of his colleague Joe Cox in 2016. You know, it's like a sad and inspiring story, but that does not make you a, an extremism expert that you decided to get into this six years ago. Uh, he has a master's in social and political science from the university of Cambridge, but anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm repeating myself. I don't think any of these folks have any genuine subject area expertise. Okay. Well, if you find out any more about them, like they're secretly funded by, uh, some UK labor party or whatever, I'd be interested, but I don't know if these people have enough, uh, kind of influence to warn any of that kind of investment. Yeah, I think I'm, I might be too bored to do more digging I, now that I've torn apart the report, but um, <laughs> these are fair questions. All right, later, Jesse. Thanks, Patrick. Tactical procrastination, what is that? Hey, can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Um, hey, you sound a little distant. If you can get closer to your mic, that would be helpful. Yeah, here, I'll uh, get out and get back in with my headphones. Yep. All right, I'll bump him to the front after for now. We'll take Janet. What's up? Hey, Jesse. Um, I wanted to go back to the conversation you were having with A about incels. Yeah. Um, don't you think that uh, the incels are kind of a product of our society of wanting uh, more from women, demanding higher standards, um, not wanting to just engage in sexual behavior with just anyone without some type of connection or deeper meaning. So I find it strange that you guys um, criticize them or kind of even um, bash them and think that throwing money at something to give them things to do or to keep them busy is what will solve the problem rather than uh, changing things within our society. You're, so your argument is that like incels arose because of promiscuity and different norms surrounding sex. Um, part of it, yeah. I think um, I think I'm a little bit skeptical of that, just because I really I think the incel phenomenon has always existed. It just didn't have a name. Like I think there've always been frustrated, awkward young men. And when you're an adolescent or in your early 20s, it's very easy to convince yourself that like everyone else is good at this stuff and everyone else is dating and sleeping around. And if you have a certain personality type, you can sort of like fall into a little bit of a hole on this stuff. Now, um, I, if, I, if I had to guess, I would honestly say that like uh, online dating and stuff like that probably makes all this easier because like you can set up I'm not saying this is good for other reasons and I'm not definitely not saying it's good for women who I think lose out on a lot of this stuff, but like you can really just sign up for Tinder and like find people to go on dates with, which will at least get you out in the real world face to face with a woman. Right. Um, well, I don't think that's necessarily the route to go. I mean, I don't think anyone has ever had that problem in the past. I mean, we've all been more social uh, before the internet uh, if anything, uh, that was never an issue before. Maybe it was a personality type of being too shy or not being uh, an extrovert. 
Um, but I think there's a, a deeper problem that you guys are missing, and it's not just promiscuity, but it's also surrounding the fact of um, women who are toxic and accuse men of being uh, sexually inappropriate or uh, saying certain things that, uh, you know, insinuate something. And so it's created a lot of fear in young men to even put themselves out there because they'll be accused of doing something um, inappropriate or cr even criminal for that matter. And I think that's uh, the bigger problem that we face too. It's not just promiscuity, but it's the fear that you'll be accused of something that you didn't actually do. Or if you hurt a woman's feelings, then the woman can uh, retaliate against you and um, come at you in a lot of different angles. I think there's an element of that. I just, I just, I would maybe argue that that's not as big a slice of the pie. I, I definitely think some of that stuff's true and some of that stuff has gone too far or is misdirected. But my sense of like the average incel is like, they're not, I think they're just like very, removed from the dating pool and and maybe they would use that as an excuse or a tangential reason but i just yeah but said, those those guys have all always existed there's always been the guys that are nerdy guys that can't talk to women that are uncomfortable that's not a new phenomenon i mean I, don't you think that this whole like uh, movement of uh, women being p empowered and uh, they're the ones in charge and make uh, men feel less than, uh, don't build men up. Um, they're the ones who wear the pants in the relationship has a lot to do with it. I just honestly haven't encountered that that much. I've definitely encountered like the Maybe idea. Maybe you personally haven't encountered that, but don't you think that exists in our society? I think it exists some, but the idea of like women, um, if you're in an incel forum, you're going to be spoon fed the absolute worst, dumbest, most toxic feminist memes. I don't think they're necessarily. I love the toxic feminine memes. So it's not just an incel thing. That's what you guys have a misconception about. Like, I love the misogyny memes. I love the hyperbole. I think it's no, no, no. What, I, what I'm, what I'm saying is their understanding of feminism is probably no, 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 no. no. That, that's their experience. That's my experience. I am viewing this as a woman saying that there are more toxic women in society than toxic men, and so this whole idea of toxic masculinity is such a farce that it's ridiculous and so i just think that like just dismissing the incels as these group of losers who uh don't want to have sex or who don't want to have a girlfriend or are awkward and weird is is doing a disservice to yourself because it's not that that's just what they happen to be they're making a choice to not behave in certain ways because they're seeing that there is an issue with uh, promiscuity, promiscuity within women, um, an issue with uh, a lack of wanting to uh, commit, get married and have children, um, an issue with uh, women degrading women, uh, degrading men and uh, treating them horribly, not giving men the space to be the leaders of uh, the family uh, or even in the relationship. So it seems like the incels are a product of toxic femininity um yeah i just i i think there's a lot of blame to go around i have a lot of female friends who have had really bad interactions with men i don't doubt that there's some toxic women i guess i just disagree about um how how pervasive the problem is or how much we could use that to uh explain the incel phenomenon but yeah i, I mean um, i think I... feminine fem 
feminism is a cancer to our society. And I think- uh, I don't know about that. Oh yeah, 100%. And uh, I would even argue that we should take some rights away from women. I don't think women have uh, been very responsible with the rights that they've been given. <laughs> which which rights should we take away from women? Well, first I would take away their um, right to vote. <laughs> All right. I'm going to cut you off there, Jaden. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, all right, <laughs> I got um, I got since I think late November without having a troll. It was gonna happen eventually, right? It'd been like ten months of this. Uh, anyway, what's up, tactical? Hey, is this better? Yeah, it's better. Okay, um, Patrick basically covered everything that I was gonna do, but if he's talking about the CCDH report, yeah, it says forty-four percent of all visits are from the U.S. 7.5 from the UK and 6% use predominantly British spelling. So mostly okay. UK. Oh yeah, no, I think he was just saying the leadership of the of that organization are mostly uh, UK. He was marking on that. Okay. Yep. Well, since he even covered the Call of Duty example, I was going to bring up. Uh, do you think it's realistic to believe that they have no idea how these kind of like sub communities work? Um. Or- you mean like unfamiliarity with the lingo and stuff? Yeah, right. Like, I I think there's just like a level of laziness and maybe a level of hubris that you can just use. I mean, so I mentioned Nama Cates, the journalist who, um, you know, studies incels fairly seriously. Her argument was like, you just can't really understand a community like this with data scraping and like making word clouds or whatever. So I think there could just be an element of hubris there and thinking that you can take that eighty thousand. Uh, foot altitude approach and learn much. Um, they, I, having read the report, they didn't seem to have much in-depth familiarity with how these kids talk. I think, to be honest, but maybe I'm overstating that. Kind of seems weird if that's your focus, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, there's money to be made in half-baked analysis. So yeah, uh, anything else, tactical? No, that's it. Cheers. Uh, have a nice day. Thank you, you too. Humpty. Humpty hopefully will not call for the disenfranchisement of all women. No. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> you want to uh, re-enfranchise them? Yeah. No. Well, actually, though, uh, it, I did want to talk about the incel um, thing that you were talking about. Yeah. Because uh, I thought, uh, I just heard, um, I listened to uh, uh, Yasha Monk's podcast and Coleman Hughes's podcast this week, and they both interviewed Richard Reeves. Who just wrote this book of men and boys? Oh, I don't know that one. It's it's uh, it just came out, I guess, and it's a uh, really interesting. Uh, some of the things he had to say, like he was saying that uh, he was talking about the education gap between men and women. Like uh, women are now sixty percent of college, yeah, uh, graduates, um, or at least I, I'm not sure if it, it's college graduates or. Um, well, my, my sense is whatever the number is that my sense is like certain storylines about men running the world have been overtaken by events because for a long time, women have had an edge in higher education is my sense. Right. And well, and he was saying that uh, he thought that there, you know, that for a long time, you know, women were held back artificially, but that um, he thinks that uh, with those impediments having been removed, it's revealed something about our education system, which is that uh, boys are expected to be 
uh, as ready at the same age as girls to perform academically and that, you know, girls, uh, as far as their prefrontal cortex and everything, uh, they definitely develop younger. They're a year or two ahead of Oh, that's interesting. That's such a basic point. He was saying that he thinks boys should start kindergarten a year later than girls to, uh, even that out. And he and Coleman in particular were having a really interesting discussion about how, like, if you take the idea of intersectionality seriously, you ought to be taking a more multivalent approach to it, you know, and saying, well, you know, in what ways, you know, what, in what ways are men being disadvantaged in what ways are women being disadvantaged? You know, he was saying like, you know, intersectionality pretty much the way it's been practiced has just been like you, you have, people groups that you say these are the disadvantaged groups and then you just pile disadvantaged yeah it's not actually intersectionality it's just like a higher higher that's not yeah yeah, but that's not really how it works i thought that was a really i hadn't really thought of it that way before i thought that was a really interesting conversation i'll check out that interview that sounds really good yeah yeah i thought it was and and reeves it seemed like a very you know a, a pretty you know well left of center um you know re very reasonable guy and it seemed like he had some very well thought out well-researched arguments I, I i thought it was really interesting cool well thank you for the recommendation humpty okay Jax is gonna be the last call cutter sorry i won't get to you multiple people i won't get to you if you come to the next one i'll jump to the front if you can remind me i didn't get to you Jax, what's up hello and very good evening how do you do good how are you yeah, good good um I'm, I'm not sure i'm uh like the the tone against the incels, they are the most oppressed group in the West, specifically the United States. They don't have access to a basic human right. Um, you know, we have completely illegitimized and uh, made illegal prostitution. So sex work to the most disenfranchised is not available. This is a huge problem if we want to have an ethical society where everyone has a chance to uh, express themselves and to have that pressure relief valve that is typically promised to the populace. So um, anyone who is lambasting incels is actually a hypocritical uh, person, in my opinion, who uh, does not care about the oppressed until, unless it fits into their political narrative. It's very sad. Uh, thank you, Jacques. I appreciate that, uh, <laughs> yeah. that insight yeah. of be, the most be. oppressed people being the incels. Um, <laughs> This was my fault for bringing up incels multiple episodes in a row, but I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you guys for listening. This is not this is a pro women suffrage uh, podcast. Just to be clear, just to lay down a marker there. Um, but I thank thank you guys for tuning in. Let me uh, <laughs> let other people know if you like what's going on here. If you want to draw other people into this this little world. Um, sorry, I don't know why I found that so hilarious. Two of those calls. They were well done trolls, in my view. Um, And the occasional troll, there's nothing wrong with that, as long as you don't make it a habit. It's like heroin. Um, Thank you guys for listening. I will be back soon. Uh, And have a good Monday. Bye.